Hello everyone and welcome to the Tower of Babel Game of Thrones breakdown for Season 4, Episode 8, The Mountain and the Viper. Um, as always, I'm joined by Daniel. Yo. I'm Julian. Um, this is, we're back uh, two weeks, the show's been off. Um, Game of Thrones took a Memorial Memorial Day weekend in the States uh, off for a break. They do that every year. So it's been two weeks since we've had a, uh, uh, an episode of this. It's two weeks since we've had an episode of Game of Thrones. So I'm I'm ready to get back into it. Um, so it was actually a really good episode. I'm not one of my favorites actually for this season, but we'll get into that. Um, what are you talking about? Yeah, I know, right? But um, we'll get into it. Um, uh, make sure to if you're enjoying the show and this is, if you're coming back here for um, you know not the first time uh make sure you're you're liking us on facebook and twitter uh and leaving a review on itunes if this is the first time that you're joining us on the tower Babel game of thrones breakdown uh know that we review the show as a show not as uh the books um and daniel doesn't spoil anything for us from future episodes so because um, he's read the books right yeah. yeah. All right. So with that all out of the way, uh, we can get right into it. We'll start with um, the credits. We have a new location. Uh, where? Mokalin. Which is somewhere between um, uh, King's Landing and uh, uh, Winterfell. I yeah, remember. they didn't really do a great job explaining it, but it's it's like uh, the whole fastest in charge of what's called the neck. It's like a narrow piece of land that separates the north from everything else. Okay. So basically anything going north has to pass through Moat Caelan or its lands, and its lands are all like boggy and marshes. It's like a moat, right? That's yeah. kind of the idea. Okay. Yeah. That's why it might be called Moat Caelan. It's, it's, it's always said that it, that uh, like a hundred men holding Moat Caelan can repel an army of thousands just because of the land and everything. Mm, okay. Well, and they do kind of show that when they show like a whole bunch of dead people mm-hmm. like in between um, like the hard land and the actual castle. Um. So we start in uh, Molestown, uh, the first scene, which has very much like a, a feel like the prancing pony, like scene from the Lord of the Rings, where it's uh-huh. like got like the the dark streets and like the the the, the pub, I guess. What would you, how would you what would you put it? Call it like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Pub is a good way. Inn, yeah, whorehouse, whatever. <laughs> uh, and so we we're catching up with Gilly. Uh, which I don't think you've ever seen uh, just her on her own since um, since you we we saw Sam drop her off there. Um, yeah, a few. I guess that might have been a couple of weeks ago now already. Like yeah, yeah it's been a while. at least three. And uh, so we see we see uh, some I guess some whores and they're doing they're entertaining uh, I guess. And I actually thought it was funny. Like, so she's doing like a like a burp version of a song, which I is kind of lame. But uh-huh. it's like, it just I feel like it's like a running joke with the people on, like who make the show that there's only two songs in Westeros. It's, <laughs> it's only it's it's only the Grains of Castamere and uh, the Bear and the Maiden Fair. So really, when someone's trying to guess a song that someone's burping, it's really only a 50-50 shot. You know, it's one or the yeah. other. Um, and also, it, they sound the, both. All the burping sounded exactly the same. Yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, we're not gonna. This isn't the uh, Tower <laughs> Babel burping breakdown. So, um, so Gilly's still still there doing her job. She doesn't look seem particularly happy about it, and neither do the the people who are like have to work with her. Um, 
but and then we hear like this like owl like sound but it's a kind of a great callback to what we've seen with uh john uh when he was with the wildlings and we know that they, they use that kind of like that bird sound as like a as like a signal to, like start an mm-hmm. attack right so we kind of have a good good idea was coming not only that and they've been kind of talking about this for a while like that oh you know yeah, they've been the, the wildlings have been attacking the moving north yeah mm-hmm. so we see um all our our favorite wildling buddies um the guy with the beard, whatever his name was, Tormund. uh, the, the guy with the weird face who eats people steer and, um, our favorite chick, Egret. Egret. um, <laughs> and they're all just killing people mercilessly, uh, mercilessly. But, uh, I guess Egret finds, um, Gilly and has with her last morsel of like, of like remorse. She kind of like lets her live, I guess. Um, because she's got a baby. Yeah, that makes a difference. I guess. Presumably it makes some sort of difference. Uh, who knows? Or maybe she recognizes her wildling-ness uh, or something. <laughs> um, the scene itself is pretty dark and like there's blood literally oh, yeah. dripping from the ceiling. Um, and it's important to get this kind of stuff out of the way. I feel like a lot of this episode is just getting stuff out of the way, um, which is why I didn't like it that much. I like the same thing with episode one. It was just getting things out of the way for episode two. And this feels like it's oh, getting things out of the way for it. Right, keep no, going. This you don't was think so? Very, I thought a lot of shit got accomplished in this episode. It was a really busy episode. It was really busy. I just don't think it was done uh, particularly, like, wasn't executed particularly well in certain parts, anyway. Um, like, it's got this scene here, which is, you know, which is fine. Best guess, like, based on what we know is coming next week, uh, the, the title of next week's episode is The Watchers on the Wall. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's going to be very much similar as, like, the Blackwater type episode, very much like a one location dealing with a lot of stuff. Um, this easily could have fit in next week. You could have started that and then dealt right yeah. with through everything. But it has to feel more gradual. And there's other stuff they have to get covered next week as well. It's not going to be just at the wall. Okay. All right. If you say so. I mean, I'm guessing it's mo- I'm going to say 95% at the wall next week. Um, I'd say a bit less, but the majority at the wall for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be over two episodes what happens at the wall, though. I think it'll be started and it'll be, it'll, whatever happens, happens, and then it'll be concluded in the 10th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then we have Castle Black. We have Sam Senior, fretting about Sam Junior, uh, and whole leaving Gilly at Molestown. And he should feel bad about it because he did a, it was, dumb, it was fucking yeah. stupid. So keep feeling <laughs> bad. Um, but he gets like a whole oh don't worry she's a survivor type thing uh, from his buddies. Um, so he feels a little bit better about himself. But then they kind of like do this whole thing where they're just kind of um, having like a discussion on like life. <laughs> <laughs> And how they have really no chance of uh, of winning um, against this whole wildling army. And then they keep talking about this how they have no chance. They have no chance. And I'm going to bring this up again later because I actually have like uh, a problem with what was go- was going on in Game of Thrones um, as far as like storytelling. And I don't, and I'll get I'll bring it up at the end because um, I think it ties to better that way. But I'll get okay. back to that. Um. So uh, I guess yeah, I guess it's like I said, it's a bit of foreshadowing for what's going to happen next week, and I think we have a pretty good idea, yeah. right? Yeah, I just I mean yeah, setting the stage like they they I guess they've kind of mentioned the numbers, but uh, yeah, oh, like I said, it has to feel gradual. Yeah, it, it has to feel like you know the wildlings are are coming at them from both ends, and there's nothing they can do but wait. So they have like all their only real choice is to you know cheers and have that drink. Yeah, I guess. Um, either way, I'm still it doesn't like. That aside, I'm still really excited for what's going to happen next week. I mean, yeah. Blackwater was still one of the best episodes of the series. So if this is anything as good as Blackwater next week, then I'll be happy. And I want to see this bonfire that the biggest bonfire the North's <laughs> ever seen. I want to see what they do. 
Um, then we move over to Marine, and I could not care less about anything that's going on with this storyline. <laughs> I'm trying. I tried. I I really do. I'm trying, but I just can't yeah. care about Grey Worm and Mascendi. Like I just like. No, yeah, it's dumb. Are they? Is this from the book? Like, is this no. like this is no. filler, right? This is. I'm I'm pretty sure this is just because like they have these actors and they need to like get their money's worth out of them. Give them a little bit of, and give them a little bit more of a story because in the, in the book, Sandy's like a child and Grey Worm is just the unique commander. Like he doesn't have his own personality. Like you know, he's just Grey Worm, just yeah. some guy. Like yeah, okay. So yeah, I don't like. I just can't. I don't care. Like I mean, Sandy's like you know pretty enough naked. Was a good you looking, know? Yeah. <laughs> but like the scene where like they're like bathing or whatever is like really dumb. Like super he's literally doing that thing where kids do when they're like little where they think that if they just (laughs) peek their head up out of the water like no one can see them but like everyone can tell because it's water there's nothing really hiding you right and um and like she's like staring like she clearly knows he's looking and then she like stands and like covers super slowly covers herself it's like okay um and then they have this whole talk danny and Cindy have like a girl talk and like she's doing like danny's doing with cindy's hair which makes no sense because like why would, unless they're like besties, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Girls like to do each other's hair. That's what sleepovers are for. Okay. Um, and then the, there's the the funny line about the pillar and stones. Yeah. Um, but like either way, like this this whole thing is just like, it just, yeah. it feels like boring. filler and it's super boring. Like I, I was literally, I was, I went and checked my phone <laughs> while this scene was playing out. Cause I was, I was like, this is, I was like super lame. Um, I don't know. I, you're right. Like there were a lot of boring parts of this episode like as a whole there are a couple other ones that are like this but i think in terms of things that got accomplished it's still it's for sure one of my favorite okay like so yes some cool stuff happens and we'll obviously get to that but i think um and it probably beats episode one just the fact that things actually do happen in episode nothing really actually does happen same thing with um a couple episodes ago where it was all just felt like Everything mm-hmm. just reset afterwards i don't remember which episode it was it now. was yeah the one with like lock and them at the wall at the crasters yeah um so yeah i just like <laughs> is there any reason we should care about these two people like no them not well i mean you care about them because daddy cares about them they're part of her little entourage and it, it, i mean they're trying to give them more personality and make them more like, memorable for the audience I, but yeah you're like i've been complaining about filler a lot this season and this is another one of those okay well at least I, I I've made my my stance clear. I, I just I don't think the, the show has made any re- has given us any reason to actually care about why they might have a romance. Like and dis- yeah. never mind that. Even if for some reason people did really have like were connected with these two characters, which I don't know why you would be. Um, it's not really even done that well, and like they spent a lot of time on it. Like two full scenes, three full scenes that are like like a good chunk of this episode that I don't think need to be there at all. Yeah. Um, like I'd rather spend more time with Arya and the Hound than have to deal with these two. Um, but I said my piece. We can move on unless there's anything else you want to say. No, I agree, I agree with that for this uh, particular part of that, anyways. Okay. Um, then we have Moat Kalen. We can go over there, and which is appropriate because we did see it in the in the, the beginning. Um, and we have uh, Ramsey and. Uh, I'm just going to start calling them Reek from now on. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Um, they do that in the books, too. Yeah. And um, they're hanging out. He's pretend, He's all kind of like clean shaven and ready to be like looking kind of like he did when he was Theon, except for the crazy eyes. Um, 
and so I mean the visuals are great here. Like the like Mokalen looks really cool. That whole part of the north where it's like kind of wet-ish and it's like halfway between the north and south. I guess like you said, yeah, it's kind of is like is cool. It's kind of like like the permafrost is like thawing at this like this part here. You know, yeah. Um. So he's sent in there, and uh, at first you think like he's doing a pretty good job of acting like Theon again. You're like, oh okay. It was like almost like jarring how much he just sounded like Theon again. But then, like, it only lasted, like, five minutes before he started, like, breaking down. That's all, that's all he had. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Alfie Allen has been doing really good. Like, he obviously plays the really young. good. But, and uh, so this continues here. Um, as uh, he's playing, you know, Reek slash... Playing Reek... Or Theon playing... As Reek playing Theon again. Which is confusing. Um, but... The idea here is that he essentially is sent in and he is portrays his like fellow um, Ironborn um, who I don't know if he, he doesn't it's not clear if he knew <coughs> I guess it's, they do kind of say like he kind of thought they might be let go but they weren't he uh, Ramsey flays them he really mm-hmm. loves to flay people he loves that like tradition sigil, are important. Yeah, sigil. <laughs> he does say that right tradition yeah. is important in this episode yeah um but I mean, really, this is all. This whole whole thing is really set up because we know that you know, um, um, uh, we know that Theon is like kind of like already under his thumb anyway. So it's like we already kind of know that. We already know that he's portrayed his like his sister, you know. So that's not like what he does here isn't really surpri- surprising. It's what happens after with Roose Bolton that's really cool. So a great scene like. I don't know if this CG or what, like, or if that's just how uh, Ireland looks like, or wherever this is, like Northern Ireland, right? It's where most yeah, of this. I'm North pretty sure that's how parts of Northern Ireland. But like, it must be like, um, like when they're standing on that the hilltop, right, right? And they're yeah. standing on that, like, they got to. It's got to be like enhanced with CG because like that that view is it like crazy, right? But maybe not. If that's if that's a real place, that's really cool. Um, either way, the like the visuals are awesome. And um, it kind of starts weirded out, like, in a weird way, though. And they're, like, like having, like, a face-off. Like, they're, like, standing apart, like, um, like like 20 feet apart from each other, yeah. like, with, like, two separate armies. But it's, like, they're really <laughs> just one. Um, so they go for a walk. And Roose Bolton um, gives Ramsay his family name. So Roose, uh, Ramsay was... Um, through snow which means he was a bastard bastard son of Roose Bolton and he gave him his family name so what's the um like the 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 precedence here like this doesn't happen very often I'm guessing right no most bastards are you know ostracized but uh he gives him the Bolton name and that also makes him the heir to like as you mentioned he's the warden of the north mm-hmm. so that would make Ramsey the heir to all of that power of the north and everything it's, it's, it's a big step and Roose doesn't have any natural children so it's all Ramsey. Okay. Um, it just makes you think that will he regret this, like, giving him his name decision? And, you know, if Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones, probably, he'll probably end up regretting it. Um, just because, you know, Ramsey is literally a psychopath. Um, but it does, you do get the impression that he actually has, like, reverence for his father. Yeah, but this he doesn't have reverence for the people of the, or the land. He no, would not make no, no. a good warden of the north. It's not know? like Roose Bolton cares that much about the people either. That's He's kind of true. a dick, too. Well, we haven't really seen not him, like, same. ruling in any significant way. He, he just did some underhanded things to get to that position, but he yeah. might actually be a good, you know, warden. Who knows? I mean, they haven't really shown us that. Yeah. Um, you just, you don't get that impression, I guess. Um, so it just seems odd, like, so this doesn't happen often, like you said. Uh, but even in, like, uh, Dorne, where, like, bastards aren't really treated, like, 
poorly. They're still called sand. So it's like, I wonder what, like he's doing this purely just because he has no other heir. Is his, is his wife dead? Like we don't, uh, no, he, he married a Frey. Remember oh, that's he, right. But his that, previous uh, wife, did he lady. had a wife before that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, she died. Mm-hmm. And that's never... It's, what? It's not a big deal. Like, oh, okay. It's not really, not really talked about or ta- important yeah. in any way. Okay. Yeah. He married that fat one, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's unlikely that there'll be another um, another Bolton. Unless there is, and maybe that like kind of like ruins ramsey's i'm just i'm just speculating here you know ruin the like, ramsey gets jealous you know gets worried about him like yeah. you know going back on his word blah 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 um but anyway this is the week of important letters uh which we'll see again later because he gives him he, he couldn't just tell him that he was doing it he put it in writing i guess because to make it official be legit yeah mm-hmm. um so moving on into the eerie well before Wait, oh, yeah, one, okay, yeah one other thing to mention like you say we're going to move into our new home, and then it pans to a castle. Oh, right. I was going to ask, is that Winterfell? Yeah, it's Winterfell. You can see a little bit of smoke rising above it. Apparently, it's still smoking. <laughs> but, I don't think but, that's, um, those are clouds. I'm pretty sure those are clouds. No, no. There was, there was distinct smoke in, in the clouds. Okay. But, um, yeah, so that's Winterfell. That's the, the seed of the Warden of the North. It's always been a stark thing, but yeah. now it's not. Um, just a side note, it's like a long way from the neck. Yeah. And from <laughs> the way they've been juggling everything like geographically is weird oh, they, they took, obviously they flew Damn. Oh. They, took, they got on they got on um <laughs> air, the international mokalen airport and yeah. they flew there and then they they took their horses the rest of the way <laughs> obviously obviously yeah um so the eerie that's where we're going to next and this is where a lot of stuff actually happens that i liked yeah but some of it I was meh. Um, <laughs> okay. So we start with uh, Littlefinger, Lord Baelish, getting kind of like uh, grilled to see what happened. Because last thing we saw with them was uh, Lady Aaron being pushed out the moon door by um, by Littlefinger himself. So yeah. we know he's guilty, but they don't know that. So they're and this is a judge uh, or a jury of of Lords of the Vale. Is that? It's more, yeah, it's just a couple Lords of the Vale. It's not really a, a, a trial yet. Okay, so they're just kind of trying to determine what happened. Yeah. Essentially, okay. Okay, so as I understand it, this happens differently in the books, right? Um, how, how everything goes down, right? It's weird. Like, it, I think I like the way that they did it in the show. In the books, there's one other person in the room, and he ends up being blamed for it. Yeah, okay. And it's just some singer that, whatever. So, He's a guy that in season two, Joffrey had his tongue cut out, but that's like. But like, who important. cares about that guy? So yeah. there's no. Okay, so you actually like this? I was gonna ask my question was, do you which version do you prefer, this version or the book version? I kind of like this version because, like, it, it's this. The story is the same. It's still Sansa. You think that she's betraying him, but then she actually like just makes it believable enough that she can put real emotion into it, mm-hmm. but still saves him. And uh, you know, you would obviously these people knowing Lady Lysa, like you could believe that Lady was unhinged, and you could believe yeah. that she would be suicidal. That she's, like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, we all know she's crazy. Like they bring it up like three times. Like, yeah, she was pretty crazy. Yeah, she was yeah. crazy, but she wouldn't. She was she that crazy? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like what they did with it. Yeah, so I, and then Sansa's whole like um, story thing was great. Like the way she starts, and then she's like, you know, I have to tell the truth. Which really, in retrospect, like thinking about it, it's like because the way they play it is like he's gonna she's gonna betray him, tell him everything that happened because that would be um, how old Sansa would have done it, right? 
Um, but then like the whole thing gets to the point where like the story's going into the point like it's it's all true like how what happened with her being in um in in King's Landing and how she was a prisoner and like how she got taken back there by uh Littlefinger and all that stuff that's all true <laughs> but then she gets to the part where she's she kind of just smudges the truth a little bit she doesn't really yeah. doesn't really lie she just kind of bends it. it yeah um and it's like in retrospect it's like it makes perfect sense you're going to you're going to make it sound like you're betraying him, but really you're not. Make it even more believable that what you're saying is true, right? Um, which is very like manipulative thing to do. Which is not very much. I guess she's been learning. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's, she's just growing. And yeah. Um, like I like the look on her eyes when she's like, you know, crying and hugging that lady, um, and like she just kind of looks up at. Uh, at Baelish and he's and he's like got a knowing look in his eyes yeah. like he's like oh thank god and he's like and he also probably wasn't expecting that I think he was very much expecting her to to like tell him what happened um mm-hmm. he, yeah he, very like, he had a, yeah he had a surprised he looked had a look of like actual like terror in his eyes there for for a little bit like I was wondering if he was gonna gonna get up and like say something or like but he was just kind of like letting it play out um worked out so yeah, like so, what she like her story is essentially <laughs> the same. He she kind of tells the story of like what happened in like the the courtyard with the kiss a little bit differently, um, mm-hmm. and then like even what he says about like uh, only loving one woman, everything like even that's true. She doesn't tell everything, yeah. um, and then the last little part is obviously the last the, where she kind of you know she says something and then jumps out yeah. or steps off. Um. Yeah. But after that, so she he gets off and they're all buddy buddy again, uh, the Lords of the Vale and um, and uh, and Littlefinger, Littlefinger. and uh, their plan is to to do what exactly? Like I'm not sure what they're. Well, it's not really clear, but he wants them because they the Knights of the Vale. That's one of the seven kingdoms that just stayed out yeah. of the whole conflict. Yeah, and he's kind of saying they could have really used their help. Like <laughs> Rob Stark could have used their help. Yeah. a long time ago, uh, but there's no really really left for them to back. Yeah, but it wasn't really clear what he what their plan what his plan was for them. It was just that he wanted them to be like to get active, you know. Okay. They didn't finish explaining it before the new Sansa came out. Yeah, well, like he was there, like, well, bring we're gonna take Robin. We're gonna like take him on like a world tour, like. Well, one of the things that again, I guess they haven't really mentioned, like, it, you know how children are fostered at different houses. Yeah. Generally, like Ned and Robert Baratheon were both fostered at the Eyrie. They yeah. did mention that. So. um when John Aaron died, there was a whole big controversy about where Robin would go. Some, uh, I think Robert Baratheon had wanted him to be fostered with Stannis, but then other people wanted him to be fostered at Castle Rock, and then Lady Lysa just left. Yeah. So the whole thing was like he's this you know, sickly kid that needs to learn some things, and he's not going to learn them here. He needs to be fostered somewhere. Okay, that makes sense. That's what Littlefinger's trying to get at with it. Oh, okay. And, okay, so if you were them, where would you – I mean – at this point it's yeah. kind of it's like he's kind of too old see. like he, yeah. you know not even too old like who, they don't really have too many friends yeah and it's like, like really you, still... and do you really want to leave him with like grumpy old stannis like really though like yeah. <laughs> the probably one of the worst parents you could ever think of <laughs> um who locks his daughter up in a fucking tower <laughs> um <coughs> so but yeah you mentioned the new uh sansa but before we get there uh there's a, like a really brief scene uh, with uh, Littlefinger uh, kind of talking to her in her chamber, 
uh, and she's sewing something. We, we'll see what it is later. But, um, and he says like, you know, essentially, why did you help me? Uh, you know, uh, paraphrasing. And, mm. um, and she's like, Oh, I know what you want. Um, and like, and gives him a little, yeah, it gives like a look, look yeah. there. Right. And, uh, and then he's like, Oh shit. He's like, I think she actually might know. <laughs> and, uh, it might be like her trying to play him too. Yeah. Right. So then we get this next scene where she's talking to Robin and then she's comes, she walks out out of nowhere and she's wearing like feathers, I guess. Like it's really, it's odd. It's a weird dress, but her hair's also dyed dark mm-hmm. which i didn't know they had dark, hair dye in the uh seven kingdoms but that's beyond i guess it makes sense sure yeah. I mean. <laughs> and uh she's like dressed like um maleficent like she's got like um <laughs> just badass and yeah I mean, she's got like this like strut going on like this new whole like attitude thing which is like see it's really very much out of character but maybe mm-hmm. it's so well, the whole point is that she's sort of becoming a new character. Like, she's becoming Elaine, not Sansa. Oh, okay. Is that what... so? They because they uh, all yeah, agree her... they're gonna keep her her yeah. her dynasty. Okay. So she has to look different and like that. Yeah. So she's not Sansa anymore. Still, yeah, she's acting like it. Okay. All right. If that's what it is, then sure. It just seems like that. It doesn't seem like what is it? it's like. Oh shit! I do know she does. She does know what Littlefinger wants, which is her. I yeah. think we can yeah. pretty, we can get that out of the way, and that she's kind of finally saying, "Okay, well, I can. Ha- there's somewhere I can take power here, and I I'm gonna do it with this like weird black dress thing." Um, <laughs> well, it could be a bit of both. Okay, all right, fair enough. That's just how I interpret it. Um, anything left to talk about uh, with the with Sansa, Littlefinger, Lords of the Vale? Um, well, just Arya and the Hound also made it there. Yeah, that was the next thing. Is that so? They kind of they they saunter up. Uh, they mention his wound again in the neck, which usually is not a good sign. They talk about things more than once. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you have they get to the bloody gate, and they find out that uh, that Lysa is dead. And then Arya just like starts laughing like a crazy person. Um, and it's literally just left there. Like she just, and that's it. Yeah. Which this, okay, here's another, this bothered me too. Cause (laughs) there's no, okay, sure. She's dead, but like, there's probably still people there that would still pay a ransom for, for Arya. It's like, it just, it's given the impression that they just leave. Like, like, okay, we're good. We're done. That sucks. Yeah. But like, yeah, say where they're going. But the thing is, Arya said she's never even met Lysa. I don't know if anybody would believe them. Like you have some random girl be like, this is Arya Stark. Give me some money. You know, that's true. But I mean, like, Littlefinger's there. The only person there. there that would, yeah, there are people like Littlefinger and Sansa that would recognize. Yeah, them. exactly. And they're there, and they would probably they would probably pay money for them, you for know? sure, <laughs> or what, or whatever the hounds after, which is apparently money, right? Yeah. So like, why did they? Why like it just that bothers me. It's like okay, we are having two Starks come close together. They're almost gonna meet, and it's just like at this point, it's just like. It's just teasing for the sake of teasing. It's like, there's no reason they couldn't now. At this point, there's no realistic w- reason that they would just leave after coming that far. Well, I mean, see what happens next week. Or, I, or, I'm excited yeah. to see what happens next week because if that happens, I'm going to throw something at my television. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that, that pretty much that covers everything yeah, it wasn't, that there. Was really, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's, that was where my problem is with this whole... Um, like teasing. It was kind of weird for them to leave it like that. Yeah, like the little... laughing thing. Like, 
It's just, I was, I mean, like, I kind of get it. Like, she's crazy. Like, she literally starts off the whole thing where the only time she's happy is when she was, like, killing those, like, people. And then they're talking about, like, how she wished she was there when um, Joffrey died and stuff. Like, she's clearly mm-hmm. crazy now. Like, a crazy person. She's but, just like, obsessed with death, yeah. But, like, starts laughing like that. That's, like, legit crazy person stuff. That's like the Joker. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you make of the laugh, anyway? Well, I don't... It was, I think it was just more like they've come so far and then they would just, you know, three days too late. She died three days before they got there and it was just like a long journey for, almost for nothing. Mm-hmm. She didn't really care about her aunt. She just like... It was just a lot of uh, frivolity. Yeah, so it's all just for nothing. Yeah, I guess everything's all... It's all for nothing. It's like... Yeah. You can see... I guess you can see the humor in it if, you know... You weren't crazy. Um, <laughs> so we go back to Marine, and things are actually happening that are important all of a sudden now. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing my research for the show notes, uh, I kind of found something that um, that sometimes something? no 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 didn't spoil my something for myself, but I did find something that like sometimes like I would miss like when Tywin was asking Mace Tyrell at that council meeting for his pen and or his quill and like parchment or whatever um mm-hmm. this is probably the outcome of that um a letter uh that is given to sir barristan uh and it's sealed with what i didn't quite catch that like it's got like a is that a royal seal or it was a, it was a seal of a red hand it's supposed to be the hand oh, okay of the king. okay I was, like, I was like, I wasn't sure what it was. I knew it was red. I was, wasn't sure. Um, so he has, he gives him a letter that is a, a pardon for Jorah for the work he did spying on um, Danny, right? Yeah. And it I'm says it, but it says it's signed by uh, Robert Baratheon. So is it like forged or is this like an old letter? Like I, don't I wasn't know. really clear on that either because there was a letter back in season yeah. one. And he like destroyed that. Like he got rid of that letter, right? You'd think so, but I mean, maybe the, yeah, I don't know if this but is even a forgery, if, but like, okay. So even if he didn't destroy it and kept it, he probably wouldn't be showing it to people. Right. So, um, either this it seems to me like this may be a forgery, but like, then why is it newly sealed? Like, cause we already know that Robert Baratheon has been dead for like literally years now. Yeah. So like, I mean, there could have been more than one letter. The whole thing with sending letters by Raven is that it's not the most reliable way to get your message across. <laughs> They do actually make it seem like it is pretty reliable. Like, they go where you well, want them to go. In the books, they often say, like, they send a couple... They say multiple rivers, you know, because you lose some to hawks, you lose some to just, uh, like, arrows and whatnot, and just the wind. Mm, okay. Um, so, anyway, uh, Barristan does a, I guess, kind of an honorable thing and gives him, like, a, the heads up, like, man-to-man, like he says. Yeah, um, just confronts him about it. I like how this, like this, the scene is like shot and com- like composed. Like he's got like a, he's studying a map of Westeros and Essos, and he like follows the map up to King's Landing, and then pulls out Jorah standing there. Barristan comes up. We don't know what's happening with this letter yet, and then we get the big reveal that um, he knows what happened, and you know you're kind of your your days here are, are done, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Which is like why even give him that like why even tell him that like what does that does that really help him like prepare himself for the it's more just like a, a, again a testament to barristan's honor like he couldn't go behind his back you just had to let let him know man to man before but yeah i'm gonna be like, like i have to tell daenerys about this yeah and i guess he also kind of wanted to see joy's reaction yeah they never they always kind of butted heads a little bit hey like they kind of both kind of filled the same role in like yeah. their their job on the small her small council so it's like <coughs> 
Steve and Mason had yeah. issues with with Jorah because Jorah hasn't been the most honorable person. Yeah, he was exiled for slaving, and now they're there freeing slaves. You know. Yeah, it's like mm, you know hypocrite much. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So then you have a scene in the throne room, and Danny's sitting there all regal, and she's got her 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 peeps around her. And uh, Jorah comes in and he tries to plead his case, obviously to no avail. Um, and then Danny, you know, this is where she gets like she gets a little, she gets a little harsh. I mean, like maybe not so much because like it's understandable. It's like you found out someone was spying on you the whole time. Anybody <coughs> even, even the whole time? Like it was only for a while. And he tries to explain that, like, hey, I told you. And then they bring up this whole thing with the wine that hasn't happened for three seasons. It's like. Um, well, that's someone tried to kill her and her child because of true. him. That's true. That is true. And also that, like that, that's that was kind of the impetus for Drogo to actually lead his army, right? After the one thing happened, that's what, like, because at, at that point Drogo didn't want to go yet to the Seven Kingdoms. He was doing other shit. Yeah. So after that, he just got in a mad rage, and they went and started rape and started reaping and whatever, and then that's when he got cut. It's kind of like that's a you know a couple steps, but I'm just yeah. Saying, like, well, that's kind of yeah. the baby. Okay. Um, which she had to, which she obviously had to, like, she lost her child and then got the dragons kind of thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. Um, she's obviously pissed off about it. Exiles him, which I guess is maybe a little bit, like, pretty nice of her, I guess, considering that not just killing him. Says, you know, just tells him to leave. And it's kind of like, it's like, the question is, like, where does that leave, uh, where does that leave Danny with, like, because you could say that Jorah's been, like, Offered some pretty good advice, you know. Mm-hmm. He's um, been her rock. Yeah. Um, well, she's she said that. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I was like that's pretty lame. <laughs> um, and uh, and more like where does that leave him? Yeah, and like where does that leave him? Like I feel like to me, like if you were to fall, it's like if you were to follow up with Jorah like a year later. He's just like a drifter, and he's just like moving around, or he's like a hermit in some like living in some like small village somewhere in Essos. It's like you know. Um, I feel like he just has no purpose now. Yeah. I don't see him sure. like going over to Westeros and like claiming that, um, that, that, uh, pardon. pardon just cause like, I don't think, first of all, I don't think they would honor it. Um, and second of all, I just like, it just, I don't think he really wants to go back there. Especially knowing like, he was like, why would you go back knowing what Danny has planned? Like and with the dragons, like, do you really want to be there when, uh, yeah. dragon fires rain down on like, you know what I mean? So, like is he not? He's not going to return home to uh, Bear Island, right? That's where they're from. Yeah. So I mean, maybe like that's maybe a, that's a long shot. That one. All of that stuff. Not only long shot, it's far, far away. Yeah. Right. Like, so get that, you just with just one horse. So, presumably, he still has some money. Like he was, they were, they were yeah. pretty rich when he was. So I don't know. We'll see. I, it just it leaves them an interesting place. Like. With this, if this is the last we see of Danny this season, which is very possible, or at least of Jorah, probably, um, I'm kind of fine mm-hmm. with that. I like I like the way it wrapped up. You're not really sure what the next, the plan is, where what um, Barristan is going to be leaning. I think we know kind of that he's kind of always leaned like you know, let's just go to Westeros, like it's going to work. Don't worry about it. You know, uh, Jorah's kind of like leaned on the whole like um, patience kind of kind of side. You know, so yeah, need an army still. We'll see how that you know, plays out. And I'm interested, like, that's a good way to leave it for a season. So if there's, even if we do see them once again, that's still like lingering there. I like that. Yeah, of course. Um, you have anything else you want to say about the stuff in Marine? No, that, that covers it pretty much. It's yeah. What's going to happen in Jorah is the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing. It's like, 
it's interesting because I like Jorah. It's not that interesting because Jorah's not that really important of a character on his own, you know? By himself, he's not that big of a deal. He's well, no, you, you, you said it right, though. It's like he, he has nothing to fight for. Now. Like, well, he, that was his only motivation. He's, mm-hmm. he's lost. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what, what he turns to. Which it literally could be anything. So Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that covers... Does that cover everything outside of the main... King's Landing. The King's Landing stuff. So, and if it it's not, then whatever it is, it's not memorable. Enough yeah, to mention. great. Um, so we move over to King's Landing, and we have a little bit of pre-fight because we know the fight's coming. We have a little bit of pre-fight uh, talk with Tyrion and Jaime in, in his cell. And I mean, at this point, how many more scenes are we going to have that are like great that are just in <laughs> cells for the rest of the series? Like you know, yeah, um, probably a lot if I had to guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, couple more for sure and uh and, and you know what based on what we know what happens in this this episode this could very well be the last time that jamie and Tyrion have a scene like this and if this is the last one like i said kind of like with the jamie and or the with the 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 the, the, the barristan one and and, and jorah that mm-hmm. uh i'm fine with that because i think this is a really good way to, to end it if you, this is how it's gonna end i'm not sure <coughs> if it is i mean this whole thing with game of thrones you're never sure yeah. um so they're kind of chatting about what, you know, Oberyn's chances are. They're kind of skeptical. Who knows? Um, but then he gets into this whole story. They start chatting about their cousin, uh, their simple cousin, who got dropped on his head as a baby and uh, who liked crushing beetles, right? And he gets in this whole... Uh, talks for a long time. It's a, long, it's a good story. It's a, it's a, the way he tells the story is good. The yeah. story itself, maybe yeah. not that interesting. What it evokes is probably more interesting and what he's kind of like, what he's maybe trying to say by talking about it about his cousin who he's just crushed beetles and he just for no reason and uh he was just constantly he just wanted to he became obsessed with understanding why you know this happens like why is he crushing these beetles or why is he killing they haven't done anything to him you know like um he just can't understand it and he just he would he said he would like he'd have like dreams about it um so what's um What's your take on the story? Like, what do you think he's trying to say in the story, or if it's just a, if or anything at all? Uh, it's it's weird. I think it's it's kind of Tyrion's um, like views on power and like his cousin is crushing the beetles because he can, and Tyrion grabs the one beetle and then lets it go, showing that like he even he's the kind of person that had if he had that power wouldn't just do it for the sake of do it. like mm-hmm. wouldn't just uh, exact it for just for the sake of showing people you have power mm-hmm. i kind of it's yeah i don't know it's, a, it's about like Tyrion, how how he feels like uh, people who, who have their majority of the world has power over him yeah. just because of his size and his how he looks so he's always uh treated a certain way and i don't know what i'm really getting at, i don't know actually. it just seems like that's that's a cool way of looking at it i looked at it differently i think it, i his story really it it brought up uh, made me think and brought up images of like of Joffrey and his senseless torturing and violence and mm-hmm. all the senseless killing that we've seen on the show, right? Um, and he just he it's like this cousin of his crushing beetles just is like a, uh, an exemplar of like just the senseless death that is around sent around him like ever since he's been you know young and he just wants to understand why these why these things happen and it, like people ask this question right like why do bad things happen to good people why mm-hmm. does like you know why does god let you know 
bad things happen, right? And this is just a question that everyone wrestles with, and I think that's like something he's wrestling with here. He's like, why is this happening to me? I haven't. I'm not a bad person. Why am I being sentenced to death, right? Yeah. And he just can't understand it, and he just he, yeah. he's obsessed with trying to understand everything. Like that's how he is as a person. He wants to understand the world, and he this this when it comes to senseless violence and death. He can't understand it. He just there's no understanding it, and he can't wrap yeah. his head around that. Of course, and obviously Tyrion's one of the Beatles in this situation. Yeah. He's, there's a uh, giant rock that's about to land on him, and it's like his 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 um, uh, empathy towards uh, creatures that don't have power, like the Beatles or Sansa, um, kind of got him into this like mess in the first place. You know, so it's it, I think it's a great you know the whole thing's like a great metaphor. So. Yeah. And it can be interpreted however you want. Maybe it's not a metaphor at all. Maybe he just likes talking about his cousin. <laughs> um, so it ends there, and then we go right into like the coup de gras, like the big moment of this episode, which does save it for me. Uh, these last, those last two scenes, um, like I said, oh yeah, like, made it made it so, worth it. So um, the fight setting fairly intimate, not super big, but big enough, right? So it gives it some grandioseness. Yeah. Got a bit of the crowd. And you have uh, you have Oberyn. He's kind of you know swaggering around like he does. He's got his his like light armor on that looks like scales because he's the Red Viper, you know. And uh, he's drinking. He's having a cup of wine before, which you know um, probably not the best idea. But he says he always he always does that. And um, and like the fight itself is really like aw- like amazingly choreographed. And like the yeah. whole spear fighting thing was really cool. Like I think that's like the coolest thing. Um, like the way he was using the spear was oh, like, yeah, really was cool. Ridiculous with that thing. Um, and we've seen so much sword fighting that like seeing a spear used that way is like really, really cool. It's like, does his first one break and he gets a new one? Is that what happens? Yeah. Okay. The, the, the mountain like catches his first one and breaks it and yeah, okay. the guy throws him another one. Um, yeah, he's super fast with that yeah. thing and it's just, it's very different it's, than what we're used to seeing because the sword fighting we've seen for the most part mm-hmm. has been pretty slow and like clang, clang. Yeah. It's all about power. Yeah. And then this is the opposite. So, just being because like they're from Dorne, so everything's different. So they fight with spears there. Um, Their sigil is a spear through the sun. No, oh, so there you go. Um, so the fight, you know, <coughs> I don't even know how to like to talk about it. Like you just have to, you just have to see it. And like obviously, everyone who's listening to this has probably already seen it. And um, it just, it's really well done. And like he's taunting him the whole time, right? He's just, like about how trying to get him to confess to killing his sister. Um, you know. And uh, trying to get him to confess yeah. that and then so like, it's, it's going well, and you're like, okay, this might be like this, you know, because and this is what like part that's gonna that I was talking about earlier that I want to get into. It's that, it's that so he he he's fighting, and then he looks like he's gonna win, right? He he like gets that one stab, he has him on the ground, right? And then he's trying to get him to uh to to confess, and then because he's so cocky, then he gets his head crushed in yeah. which is one of the most gruesome things i think we've seen on the yeah. show it was oh like, yeah his eyes were like just at the screams right and he does yeah. confess which i don't know if that's important or not because it's not clear if um the mountain lives after um after everything like it's not clear if he's dead or not yeah i don't know if you don't answer that i guess like okay um yeah he just kind of rules yeah off so he, maybe he is dead and like if i don't know if that matters or not if they're both dead like it makes no difference either way um Tyrion, the last thing we see is, uh, you know, um, Cersei, they give like a smile, Jamie not be very happy about it, and then Tywin sentence him to death, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, cut to black, silence, which is I've always my favorite when they cut to black and it's just silence. 
after something so yeah and it's like i was literally like my heart was like boom 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 boom. but um so this is what bothers me about game of thrones and this is more of a game thing about game of thrones not so much about this what happened here uh though it is involved (coughs) in it so um I think the show is because of, of literature. It's diff- It's doing things that are different just for the sake of being different, and uh, and just do- it's like it's just this thing that's opposite of what you think. So that every every story trope and um, uh, like the way the story is whole set up is that you know uh, Oberyn's supposed to win this fight. Really, I mean it's he's it's always said oh you know he's probably like the mountain's huge blah blah blah. But the way it's it's done it's like uh, this whole victorious like I'll be your champion thing right. Um, sets up the fact that he's probably going to win, uh, especially because he's defending one of the show's best characters, right? But your whole thing is like, well, with Game of Thrones is that um, uh, they don't, they like to defy your expectations. Well, my idea is that, okay, just because it's not your expectations doesn't mean <coughs> it's better storytelling. It's like, it's just doing things the opposite just for the sake of doing it different, which is like that, where's that hipster thing comes in. It's just yeah. doing it different for the sake of being different. And I don't think that makes it better. Um, just different. Um, it's like, you might be able to predict this happened just because it's the opposite of what you think is going to happen, right? How often does the thing that you, that we, um, that a a normal story would have happen in this? Not very often, right? So at that point, you can start predicting things based on the opposite of what what would happen in a regular story. So we talk about uh, what's happening next week and we have a hundred men versus a hundred thousand, right? And this whole thing about how they have no chance. They keep talking about how they have no chance to win, right? Over and over mm-hmm. and over again. So they're not expected to win. So uh, they're probably going to just based on the fact that it's the unexpected outcome. Um, that's what I mean by predictably unpredictable. Um, and I, that, don't, I, mean, I, I don't... And for instance, with this, I don't think this um, makes it a better... Uh, like, maybe I'm just upset that Oberyn's dead. Like, I don't think that's what it is. I mean, I did like him as a character, but I don't think that just killing Oberyn in this way... And just by and doing it this way is somehow in such a gruesome way is somehow better makes it a better story than it would have been if he'd won this fight. I don't know. Maybe like maybe in retrospect of re- knowing the whole story and looking at this as just a, as an element of one grander piece. But being, being at this is the far into the story as I know uh, that we are. I don't like it. Does that make sense? I, I don't know. I, I for sure get it. And even Martin himself has said his whole goal or one of his goals with the show or with the books rather was to tell um, the story that you, you don't expect. Like you, you expect Ned Stark to be the hero and he gets his head cut off. And then after that, you expect his son to, you know, rise up and avenge his father. And then the red wedding happens. He said a few times that he, he, he doesn't want to tell conventional yes, stories. Okay. That's fine. But like, but look at what it did. Look at what Ned Stark's head, losing his head look at what that did to the rest of the show and like it created room for different storytelling that's been phenomenal sure because it's so unconventional but this doesn't seem like it really opens it i mean it's hard for me to tell it's, it's hard without knowing what happens next. but it's yeah. like it's easy to might to say that from your perspective but from my perspective this just looks like another uh oh gotcha you know we thought you thought this was gonna happen and then we did this instead because you know, it's <laughs> different. Like, no, that doesn't make it, that does like, it just makes it different, you know? Um, well, I mean, it works. This is why the show is so compelling is because you, you don't, you, there's no but possible I think, way to guess that. But I'm thinking at this point now, I can. I think that I, I don't can predict things predict based on the happen. fact, yes, Dan, I think I could now based on the fact that these things are happening opposite of what you think is going to happen. Like, not even just, 
like something unexpected happens like um like a dragon flew in and killed like not that that would be what i would want or somehow better than what happened right and just killed them both that wouldn't be better but that's that's unexpected that's, that's literally just the opposite of what you thought was going to happen right um and especially and i don't like being manipulated like don't set up this whole thing like this whole heroic uh thing just to be uh undid by like a head crush you know not that that's mm-hmm. a, just some small thing like it was cool looking just be undone by being like standing too yeah like, like you know what i mean like it just seems so yeah it's very frustrating when you read it in the book yeah too. so i don't know maybe maybe my <laughs> stance on this will change i don't even know if my stance makes even makes sense um no it does i, it, I, I you're not the only one plenty of people are frustrated with what happened like you care about these characters and then and then they never nobody gets what they deserve nobody you think oberon has his revenge and, and the mountains getting his come up and said it's never going to play out exactly the way you want it to but that's also one of the reasons that everybody loves this show sure i mean the um the guy who's talking the the, the guy from entertainment Weekly weekly that does the recaps that i read to fill in the parts that i don't remember completely when i'm doing the show notes he mentioned when going to this was that he's like talking about a um a friend of his that went and watched um uh titanic in the theaters like 12 times right <laughs> and uh they're like he's like why do you watch it you know 12 times you know what's going to happen right it's always going to be the same um you know leo is going to drown in the atlantic every time and he's like, well, I go back because I hope that the, at one time the di- ending is going to be different, you know, um, which is kind of dumb. But it's like it's one of those Pretty things dumb. like you watch you still you can still watch it over and over again and still hope that, you know, just don't make that one stupid move and everything will be fine. Right. Yeah. You, you can you can watch it over and over again and get caught up in the same emotions. Yeah. If it's done well enough, which I think this is probably done well enough. It'll be t- it'll have to stand the test of time. I think it's one of the coolest fights like yeah. mono mono fights I've ever seen on television is really really cool especially with the, like visually with a massive giant man that is the mountain and whoever played whatever his name is in real life and then you have it's really hard to pronounce yeah right? and then you have uh oberon who's like this so much more slender and speed with this really interesting fighting technique it's like really cool looking um but yeah the way it plays out doesn't 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 make me very happy yeah. it sucks oberon won the fight and then lost just because he let it happen too long like yeah and then, yeah, but like you pointed out, the mountain does admit to what he did right before he kills Oberyn. Does anyone hear that? Like, I don't even... That's yeah, he, not... like, screams it. Okay. Yeah. So, does that even matter? Like, it, well, I, that's I what I mean. Like, it's like he's he does it in front of the Lannisters, and if the Lannisters told him to do it, then, like, who cares? No one's, no one's gonna, who's going to be there to punish them? You know? No one. Yeah. It's just one of those things that was always a rumor, like, and now, yeah. we, I mean, the audience was pretty, pretty much new already, but, yeah, yeah now we know for sure. But in, in terms of what you said about the wall, I would say the conventional story would be this is David versus Goliath, and the conventional storytelling would be that they would win. So if it was trying to subvert your expectations, they would lose next week. That's what happened. Like season one is when we expected Ned Stark to get out of there, and he didn't. I don't know. Again, I already I already know what happened. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not. To I don't either. know. I I think I'm just basing this is off of how the stories are set up, right? So the way that this fight was set up was done in a way that feels manipulative you know that you set up this character uh you have this great scene where he talks to Tyrion in the dungeon and tells him about him when he was a baby and uh how he's going to be his champion and all this stuff right and we like Tyrion and we like Oberyn so we're all happy about that um but then you have the fight play out this way right and because of how it was set up it feels manipulative because of the way it ends 
if and the way that the thing at the wall has been set up is that uh, they they have no chance of winning. They literally have never once said, you know, I don't think any one character said, you know, what are we gonna do after this whole fight? You know, what should we go get chicken? You know, yeah. like no, it's just like I guess we're dead. You know, burn my body when 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 I'm dead. You know, um, so if it is set up that way, and then they do win, I mean, maybe that is like it's, it would be surprising. But I think it's just it's just one of those things of being doing the opposite of what how the show set it up, you know, or the, yeah, how the story's been that, told. Like, that's you're kind of like you're painting a broad stroke. Though. Like it's, there's still a lot of content in it. Like how does it happen or whatever? Yeah, sure. I absolutely want. I'm It'll interested to see. I'm still interested to see what happens. I just I don't want to see. I don't want to see the story that I think is that is really interesting fall into these like this trap of just trying to be different for the sake of being different. And I think reading what you said about like reading to what you said about George R. R. Martin and I've read some quotes myself it's just it seems like that sometimes seems to be a motivation for him is that just to do something different for no reason yeah. and He's I don't think I don't think that's a good I don't oh, think that's a good keep, way keep, to start keep the readers and the audience on their toes keep sure. them guessing keep them interested absolutely and I don't think you have to do that I just don't think that doing it at every possible turn makes is is better or makes it better it's like you still want to be invest. You still need to have characters you're invested in. If you're killing them all the time, then it's like what what interest like what is there left to be interested in? Like I don't I don't want to watch a, a show about Cersei li- like living in the <laughs> King's Landing. Like you know like you know what I mean? Like I don't care about that. So I mean maybe that's just me being selfish. I don't know. Whatever. Um, no, that, that's a valid point, and that's a valid uh, thing to not look forward to, but. You'll see what happens, and I don't, I don't know what to tell you without ruining anything, right? Like, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not asking you to ruin anything. I just it's it's one of these things. It's like with the kind of like with the red wedding, where it's just frustrating. But maybe it'll play out. If it doesn't, I'll be I'll be the first to tell you that it's that it wasn't you know it wasn't earned. I guess. Um, well, I I agree to you. It wasn't I, I agree to you that it, it's still frustrating, and it still doesn't make full like sense to me that it happened this way, but it did. It's like. That's just how death works, though. You you have to deal with it. Okay. All right. All right. I think we I think we've covered <laughs> I think we've covered this uh, enough. I think we're getting a little bit meta here. So, um, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, overall thoughts on this ep- on this week's episode? Yeah, I think I said it before, but like I I really love the episode. A lot of like big things happened. Well, the big things that happened were the Sansa storyline with her defending Littlefinger, and they're still alive, and she's badass now, and Elaine now. Um, Jorah being exiled is pretty big. The Theon stuff is kind of big just now that it's not that big a deal, but now that Ramsay is uh, Bolton, and then obviously the fight was huge and very well done. Yeah. So. Um, I I put this somewhere in the middle of the pack for me. I mean, the ending is huge, um, which gives it definitely a boost. The rest I, was not um, particularly compelling. Uh, a lot of it felt like filler. Some of it did um, anyway, like the a lot of the stuff in Marine with uh, the Grey Worm stuff, I talked like we talked about that. It didn't like uh, some of the, even the stuff in the Eerie was meh. Like the stuff with the mm-hmm. Hound felt wasted. Um, um, like I like I'm just trying to bring to like mind everything else that happened this episode, other than this big fight is tough, which is usually not a good sign. Like um, I can think of in the Joffrey in episode two when Joffrey died, uh, how great the whole setup was. Um, this doesn't feel that particularly great to me. I mean, I I really did like the scene in the dungeon, and I've always liked you know Tyrion scenes, and I think everyone mostly does. Um, some of it does feel like 
like setup. Like I said, the stuff with Molestown and Castle Black. Um, but maybe that that'll pay off next week with um, uh, the Watchers on the Wall. So, like I said, I'll put it somewhere in the middle. Um, I have to pick my favorite scene, which I don't have to, but we have been doing anyway. Um, it would be the fight scene. So, sure. um, followed closely by the, the 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 intimate one beforehand. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You know I, I, what you were just saying. It would have been nice to have in this episode rather than some of that filler, a, a scene just touching base with Oberyn before the fight. Yeah. You know, like have I don't know him with Tyrion again because they've already done that, but they could have had him with basically anybody. He's done it. He's rocked it every scene he's had. It would have been nice to have him like talking about it, even though he was. They kind of addressed it with him being overconfident right before the fight. Yeah, I mean, been, but it just feels so rushed. It's it's yeah. like, I. He's such a great actor, and it's like. They've been doing such a good. They've done such a good job of incorporating these scenes that are not in the book. That mm-hmm. generally are like some of the best scenes in the show, right? Um, to have them, you know, take an opportunity instead of wasting time with Grey Worm and Masende, uh, uh, fill that with uh, a great, like, intimate scene with with uh, Oberyn would have actually made the the fight have more weight to it, you know? For sure, yeah. Because um, the way they did it really played it out as all the weight is on uh, Tyrion's shoulders. And really, there's a lot on both Oberyn's and Tyrion's. Yeah, they, they so, both are in it for their own reasons. Yeah, so uh, that covers this week. Um, I'm excited for next week. The, um, the, the synopsis for next week's episode is John faces a great challenge at the wall. <laughs> that is it so is um it? so it's like yeah it's, Man, I, I don't it know. will be the whole episode um so we'll see i think like i said that's why i'm pretty sure that it's the whole thing is going to be at uh, the wall um so i'm looking forward to that uh that's going to be season four episode nine which is usually the big episode right uh, the ninth mm-hmm. episode uh, in the meantime make sure to follow us on twitter at tower babblecast uh b-a-b-b-l-e so not the uh, biblical version obviously not and um yeah like us on facebook uh we're probably gonna be recording another tower of babel podcast which it is our flagship podcast for our site towerbabelpodcast.com uh later today we'll be talking about uh, some of the news get it out of the way so we have e3 to talk about next week so um make sure to tune into that you can also find that one on itunes in the meantime uh we will talk to you uh next week see ya Today's Game of Thrones theme was played by Pisces Rising, the epic Game of Thrones theme cover.